Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Last week we dealt with, well, the name of the, the series is Relationships, a Biblical Roadmap for Singleness, Dating, and Marriage. So last week we covered singleness and dating. Um, I, and I think a lot of this, it, it really is worth talking about. Uh, I was... I wasn't expecting to do this series after Second Timothy, uh, but I, it kind of like God pressed it on my heart that there's a need for this stuff to be said and to be taught through and to know, like, what is it that we are supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? What is a biblical roadmap for wherever we're at in life, single, dating, married, right? And the idea was this. That we want our lives, in whatever fashion, to be blessable and blessed by God. So that's what we were looking at, especially last week. Um, We were talking about how important it is to be able to lead out of your marriage. And then to lead out of your singleness. Whatever it is, it's all between you and God, you and your spouse, you and others in your life. So we talked a little bit about that um, uh, Scazzaro said, "Married." we had this quote from last week. I'll share it again this week. Married couples bear witness to the depth of Christ's love. Their vows fo- uh, focus and limit them to loving one person exclusively, permanently, and intimately. While singles bear witness to the breadth of Christ's love. Because they're not limited by a vow to one person, they have more freedom and time to express the love of Christ to a broad range of people. Both married and singles point to and reveal Christ's love. Um, and so I'm giving a little quick recap from last week as we go into the next week, uh, as we're about to start the, you know, the part two. But the sing- neither singles or married have arrived. The arrival is us being reunited, uh, us being united with Christ for all eternity. And so that's like the picture. That's the ultimate picture. And so there'll be no need for marriage uh, like we have here in heaven, right, or in you know, as we spend the rest of our time with the Lord, because we've been united together with Christ. And so what we're experiencing here is, it's great, and it's a sign, but it's not the ultimate, okay? So neither married or being single will ultimately fulfill you. We can only find that in Christ, uh, and recognizing who we are in Christ. Uh, part of what we were set out to do last week was to show uh, singleness has biblical merit and value, okay? Okay. Paul talked about it a lot. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, he talks about it quite a bit, right? We know Jesus was single, Paul was single, many other heroes of the faith were single. It's it's a it's a valuable calling in your life. And sometimes you might think, are you? There's some that are are called to be single for a season. Some they have no desire to ever be married, but the, the, there's still value to that because sometimes uh, churches focus too much on marriage and it's like marriage 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 and there's nothing to affirm like the fact that sing- singleness is a biblical value right um and so yeah because there's there's things you can do when you're single that you can't necessarily do when you're married obviously vice versa paul actually himself makes uh quite compelling arguments to be single and to be married both right and so that is good for us to look at um I think we talked about a couple helpful tips. I just want to go over them again real quick. Like I said, a quick summary before we get into the, the next one. Uh, 
Singles should be honored, not by expecting them to be married, right? Not by saying, hey, come on, let's go. Let's find you someone. That's not necessarily always the case, right? Uh, singles need relationship and fellowship from the church like a family, right? They still, to be single doesn't mean you don't need relationships. It means you absolutely need relationships. And so that can be cultivated in a church family setting, right? And uh, if you are single, you need to be actively cultivating a life of community, making it intentional, right? Um, when you're married, it kind of comes home to you. Now, the quality of that is up to you, <laughs> how good a fellowship and community you have. Uh, and then we talked some about dating. Um, and first and foremost, a man or woman will not fix or complete you, right? Don't expect that from them. Um, that's... The Lord is the only one that can really do all that. But the proper foundation's in the Lord. And so we're called to love God, love others. That's the first foundational thing you could do if you're looking for someone. You start by having your focus right, loving God, loving others. Don't be unequally yoked, right? That's another thing. If you're with someone that's not a believer, you, problems are coming. They're, 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 they're ahead of you, right? So you want to be going the same direction, Okay, that's an important thing and really valuable. And God blesses our purity in the way that we live. By honoring him, we will uh, receive blessing in doing that. And God, in the, we're, in a, we're in a position to continue to be blessed. Um, so I, I also gave a couple tips for that. Um, again, you can go back and listen to the whole message if you want. But living in community is vital for those dating right? You don't want to date in the dark, meaning you don't have other people have feedback in your life, right? Where they're able to speak to problems that are going on. Um, be honest and ask for feedback. What do you think about this person? Um, and then, uh, you know, if you're, you could be in love, love, and it can help you not really see until it's too late what's really going on around you. But friends are good at seeing the truth, right? So listen to the voices of your friends. Count the cost. No one's perfect, and neither will be the person that you marry. So that was a bit of a, you know, I guess, uh, recap from last week. And this week, we're going to talk about marriage. And, and uh, let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time. This morning, we thank you for each person here that made it here. And we pray, Lord, that, we, that you would be speaking to us, that we'd be able to hear from you, that we'd be encouraged, Lord, and that we would be um, inspired to honor you with our lives, whether single, whether married, whatever, that we would honor you and that we would put you first, primary, God, and that we would uh, live our lives in a way that's pleasing to you and that is an example of uh, the good news of the gospel to the world around us. So we thank you, God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so marriage, for those who were, last week we said, for those who are married, the single and dating, you're like, well, I don't know if this applies to me. Well, it does apply in the sense that it helps you to understand other people, right? To understand, in a sense, where they're coming from. Uh, same thing, if you're single, marriage, it's important to understand. Even if you don't want to ever be married or whatever the situation is in your life, it's important to understand what God has called married people to and what is going on in their lives, right? It's part of like the personality tests you take. You, you take them to understand yourself in some sense, right? Like, oh, that's why, oh, okay, oh, that's interesting. I didn't really understand I was like that or whatever. But you also can take them to understand people around you that you go, oh, my goodness, that's why you're like that. 
I just thought you were broken, you know? And so that's actually really valuable. So if you ever do like a, one of those things, some of those can be telling. They're not gospel truth, but they can be helpful where you go, oh, wow, that's kind of what you're about. Pay attention to yours, sure, but if you're married, really pay attention to your spouses because that's going to make a big difference for you. You're going to figure out how they think and the things they do anyway. So this gives us opportunities to dwell and to live amongst one another and understand one another so we can have grace for one another. And not go, well, why don't you do this? Or how come you just don't get, oh, they just don't get it. That's a really short-sighted way of seeing things, okay? So uh, marriage, right? This is a one-flesh union, okay? We, we want it, it's a covenant. It's a vow before God and before our community, right? To, to love one another. Marriage is a symbol and it's a promise. It's a gift, Okay? Just like singleness can be called a gift, so can marriage be called a gift. Um, again, I got some of this from uh, Scazzaro. He, he talks about how important it is to have ambition in your marriage. Uh, your first ambition be your marriage. Your first, your first passion be your marriage. And it be your loudest gospel message. So as we look at our marriages, it's important for us to, to understand that this is not something we just have or it's part of our life, it, it filters through everything else that we do, right? A good marriage is foundational to having a good life, to having a, uh, in a sense, for those who are married, a gospel message, have a witness that shows what, the, what Jesus can do in a life, right? So we, we look at our lives as God, it's between you and me. We have first love God your, you know, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love a neighbor as yourself. In this case, your, your spouse as yourself. And so that's important, right? So our priority, number one, is that we make this important in our life. That we would strongly desire to achieve this. That would be something that's important to us. Marriage is an important calling that's blessed by God. Man should not be alone in this. Okay, so Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Um, this is a, kind of the start of it all, right? And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. What a wild story, right? Adam's like, that's a giraffe. You know? He's like, and then, and there goes a hippo, you know? Wow, what a wild thing, right? So Adam's busy doing what God has called him to do. And as he's dealing, as he's naming these animals, he's, he's ruling and subduing as he's been called as an image bearer of God, right? He's, he's an image bearer of God doing what God does, bringing order out of disorder, bringing life out of darkness and death and, and, and order out of chaos, right? So he's doing what God has called him to do. There, it, it becomes obvious to him. Now notice, it was obvious to God first. It's not good that man should be alone, right? So God knew first that it's not good that he should be alone, right? And so he, Adam's looking around, and as he's doing this, he's like, I can't find a comparable helper to me. Sure, you know, the, 
you know, the horse is great, but we, I don't think we're going to be able to settle down, you know. And there's something about, you know, I love this dog, but I'm just kind of wondering if there's someone I can talk to here, right? So the Lord did what? He caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So we get the untarnished view of what God had intended and created in, at the very beginning. This is before the fall. This is before sin. God knew it was important for man to have a helper. Now, if you're single, you go, well, what? What, what? No, there's a lot of different ways you can find community and help. Again, you know, that's not necessarily to be married. But if you're called to be married, which is a good thing, uh, by the way, then this is, your, this is a compatible mate to you. One that can uh, be comparable and one that can dwell with you. And the two become one flesh. Now they're one. Okay? And so the idea of us being separate when we get married and having his life and her life, his this, his, her that, uh, that no longer works. And, and you know this, if you try this when you get married, to continue to live your separate lives, there's something wrong. There's like a tearing. It's like it, it, you're trying to go separate ways, but you're also trying to be together. It just doesn't work, right? And usually it ends up with major, major issues, right? So God said, let man leave his father and mother, um, this is the biblical model. You go from leaving the father and mother and under their authority, under caring about them and thinking about them, and now you become one with each other. So this person, this, the, your spouse, has now become the most important person in your life. Right? And this is actually now becomes like your identity. Uh, this, is, this person is now one with me. So when we look at our spouse and we go, man, they're hurting. Sucks to be them. Right? How does that work? You, you find out that them hurting means you're hurting. Right? Because we're one flesh. You know, I remember being like in high school or whatever. And, you know, it, it was always like this close to like getting in a fight with one of your friends. And it's just like, you said one thing, someone said something else, punch them or you kick them or something, and you'd be like, whatever, I hate you, or whatever, get out of my life, you know? And then the next day, you're like, what's up, dude? We're going to hang out? What do you want to do? Let's go get some food. And it's like, what? Okay. You know? That doesn't work in a marriage, does it? Especially the punching and kicking, you know, don't do that. But, like, it's just like, this is, that's, that, that doesn't work. And so you neglect, if you neglect your spouse, you're neglecting a very big part of you. And not only is it a part of you, but it's a part of you that you can't fulfill in and of yourself. In some ways, it's the most important part of you if you're married. And so, but yet we look at marriage almost as like a side issue. And this, is, this has been an issue in ministry and marriage, like Marriage and ministry have not gone together very well at certain times in history where people go, I'm just going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly, and if you can get behind it, great. If not, don't, don't get in my way. You know? I've heard it been said, double, double my ministry, don't cut it in half. 
So get in line, and, and here we go. And the kids better not get in the way either. Can you imagine how this goes, right? You might accomplish a lot for the Lord, but your house is an absolute wreck. So I believe that the most important thing we can do is put our marriages before anything else. That would be, well, first God, our relationship with God. That is first and foremost. And the first outflow of our relationship with God has got to be a practice on your spouse. You say, I'm learning a lot about becoming more like Jesus. Well, let me ask your spouse if they can tell the difference, right? <laughs> that, 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 that is the most obvious litmus test for you to see. Is it real or not, right? Because we like to talk about a lot of things. We like to have big messages, and we like to preach. And, and man, we could, we could really put together a nice post on social media, you know? But then what happens when all the doors are closed and no one's looking and you just are selfish and you don't, you're not thinking about them at all in the things that you're doing and saying. And marriage is kind of like an, an addition to who you are, but it's, it's not who you are. See, that doesn't work when we're talking about the two becoming one flesh because there's no separation. You're now one flesh. That's why divorce is so hard, right? Because you're ripping apart something. Right. By the way, if you've been in that season, God has got grace and, 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 you know, and healing. But this is, this is the ideal. This is the most blessable position that you can have in your life. And wherever you're at, move forward from, here, from it today. Guilt messes with you. It's a liar. It can drive you to, to coming clean and, and, and humility. But if it continues to have a voice in your head, it's, it's not good. So let that go. Let the past be the past. You move forward from today. But it's really important that we look at it as our priority one, our ambition is marriage is center of my life. This is something I'm like really trying to do in ministry because ministry has, it takes from you a lot. And there's always more to do, especially around here. There's, I feel like there's always more we can do, and I'm always plagued by those thoughts. And so it's like, I got to go, 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 go. Do, 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 do. All right. If we, what if we added this? What if we added this? What if we added this? And Tori's like, hey, I didn't know about any of this. I don't, I'm not in the loop. What's happening? <laughs> and it's like, honey, I, I, and I actually said to her a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month, I don't know. We got to do this together, the whole thing. It's got to flow out of our lives. All of this has to come out of our lives. And so you know what that means? You become intentional in how you value your marriage. So if you're married, value your marriage. If you're single, look at those around you and help those who are married value their marriage. Okay? That, this is a huge deal. Okay? So you're, this is your ambition. Man leaves father and mother to be joined with his wife. One flesh. You become one. The quality of that oneness increases over time if you grow in godliness. Some people it doesn't. And unfortunately, you start living your own separate lives and you're not so stoked about that, right? It's not fun. By the way, loving your wife has incredible benefits for you, doesn't it? There's huge benefits. When you take care of the home and your wife is happy or your husband is happy, there is just, there's joy. Everything feels possible. <laughs> it's a good thing, good place to be, right? But when everything else is going well and it's not going well at home, nothing really feels that good. So we don't want to live out of our jobs or out of our identities or out of our hobbies. Our marriage is our biggest 
and most important thing that we can pour into. And, uh, in the summer, we did the, um, the marriage um, series, and it was really good. Those, everybody who did it was greatly benefited from it, I've heard, right? It's stuff like that where you make a priority, and you go, I'm going to actively make a priority out of this in my life, right? It's practice. It's learning. It's growing. So loving our wife has incredible benefits for sure for the man who does it, right? First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way or with understanding, right? That means work to understand your wives. I mean, it's the oldest punchline in the book. Men do not understand women, right? Oh, yeah, who could ever understand women? Oh, yeah, okay, well, you need to, Right? As a man, you need to understand your wife. So you need to know what makes her happy and what bums her out. You need to know what is, is good for her and what isn't. You need to know what she cares about, what she's passionate about, and what she doesn't. You need to know what sets her off and what makes her happy, what, what gets her, like, gives her joy, right? Likewise, women, you have the same thing with your men. Know what is valuable to them. Know what makes them tick. Know what makes them ticked off, Right? And then don't use that bush, but button as like a weapon, okay? We have this amazing ability to have life together, right? And so that we know each other in our best and our worst. Uh, and if you do it right, it's like the more you know, the better, right? It's like true intimacy, which is really what God wants with us and what we want with one another. And it doesn't just have to be in a marriage setting. Intimacy can be those who are willing to be honest and vulnerable before one another. So it doesn't have to be just being in a marriage setting. But this is, if you're married, your first and primary thing, right? Because remember, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, where he's saying, hey, it'd be better if you're not married, just stay not married. And, and then that way, all you have to worry about is the kingdom, that's the way all you have to worry about is what God wants you to do. That way you don't have to worry about anybody else. But he says, but if you are married, then you need to worry about that somebody else. And if you are married, don't try to be not married. So you can't live like you're single if you're married. I mean, we're going to know. How's that going to turn out? Not very good, right? So uh, we make a vow. So every decision that we make is informed by the vow that we made. So every decision we make has been informed by that vow, okay? We, again, we can't live like we're single anymore. It's, it's uh, heard it said it's painful to uh, connect with your spouse, but in the long term, it's much more painful to not connect with your spouse. So it's about doing the hard work now building the foundations now, wherever you're at, it will not be easier next month, next year, or in 10 years. And you're going to go, I just wish I would have started. Uh, I remember signing up to do that master's course I'm doing. It's like, three years? Who has three years? Well, I'm graduating in April. You know, but I'm just saying, like, it's like, it's like, I, that wasn't to be an applause. It was to say, <laughs> okay, wow, oh, Oh, wow. I mean, just, I mean, you know, keep it going, but I'm just joking. I'm joking. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, well, how do I have that? Well, you just do it now or else you'll never start and you'll never get there. It's all about starting today and valuing today, not letting the past be the past, but moving on forward from right now. Okay. 
I think it's also important that we love our spouses with passion, passionately, right? When you're dating, it's pretty easy, you know? When you're engaged, you're like, you're passionate about these people. You first get married, and then somehow, sadly, the passion can drop. Passion is really important to connect with your spouse on, right? And so, again, what's important to them is important to you. You're to love your spouse passionately. Make the love of Christ manifest in the way you love your spouse. This is the leading out of the outflow of this love is how we love others around us, you know? And, and as you make a point to do that, if you're married, you're, you're passionately loving, which means you're, you're doing everything you can to love and bless them. I remember uh, when we were dating, I knew Tori was like oh, way out of my league. She, said, I'm, she actually said, I'm so glad I'm not in here for this message today. Because uh, <laughs> it's like, these are all your stories, you know, that anyway. Um, well, we first, yeah, we were first dating, and I, I had no money, but it was her birthday, and I bought her an iPod, which was, like, so much money, and I was like, I, hey, I'm gonna have to pay rent next time, or whenever, you know, but I just was like, oh, you're just valuable, I want you to know how valuable you are to me, and it shouldn't be about giving, you know, big gifts or whatever, and I remember the first Valentine's Day, I was, I was uh, doing youth back in Redlands, and she was at Marietta at Bible College, and uh, it was on Valentine's Day, and um, they closed the campus at like 11, you know, everybody, you can't come on the campus, and I got done with youth group, and so I, w- I made this, I, this plan, I'm like, I'm going to write this really cool Valentine's thing, and then I'm going to drive out to all the way to Marietta, I had 15 minutes to spend with her, and then I drove home. And, I, and, and it's like, it, it's 45 minutes there, it's 45 minutes back. It was an hour and a half to spend 15 minutes with her. That's passion, okay? Now, what happens when uh, you go, can you pick up the socks? It's, ah, you know, right? That sounds like a dumb thing, but like, or hey, can you help me out with this? Can you vacuum? I vacuumed last month. What do, we, what do we vacuum for anyway? They're just going to drop the crumbs immediately, you know? I'm not saying, you know? And so you're like, what? The person that you would drive 45 minutes to go, and the, or you act harshly out of nowhere. You respond in a harsh manner, and you, you just decide you're going to cause trouble today. No, that's not it. We got to somehow remain in that place of passion, but in a different, matured way. Again, it's not like this fleeting thing, but it's something that's sustained over time. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we realize God is passionate about us, right? And he loves us with this deep love that's that's pretty dramatic, right? If you read the prodigal son, you know the story about when the father goes out and grabs the son and he's, he's just like, oh, I love you so much, right? And marriage is the, what God uses as his example of his love Christ to the church. It's like, so you, the way you think about marriage, that's how much I love the church. There's no way Jesus could have just go, gone and died on the cross by going through the motions, and you could see it in his life. Everything he did was with passion, okay? So, um, yeah, Ephesians two, 5, this is iconic marriage passage, 5, 22 through 30 through, 33, 30 through. That's not a verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives 
be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love his own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, and just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of... Uh, his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. There it is again. This is a great mystery, but speaking, uh, speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we love with, the same, with a similar passion that Jesus loved us. Man, and, and really, we, we kind of go, how do I set up passion again in our life? Let me tell you one of the great secrets to this. Pray for it. God, continue to keep the passion alive in my marriage. Or restart it. Now, passion doesn't just mean, you know, you know hot and heavy, right? Okay? Passion, passion means that you just, you just are crazy about this person. Right? And one of the ways you can do that is by when you see them, you affirm them and you, you look at not the bad, but the good. Right? Who would you want to look at all the bad in your life and just constantly point it out? Right? Because we all got it. Right? There's, we all have something that we are like, I don't know, really, I'm not really proud of that or I don't really like that. But someone was constantly poking at it and be like, that's you. Now we're calling it your nickname. That's, well, forever you call you this. That was like the worst thing as a kid growing up, right? Somehow you get the nickname of the one thing you mess up, you know. You like trip and, you know, scrape your knee and, you know, all of a sudden you're scrapey or something. I don't know, whatever. Like it's clumsy, clumsy, dopey, snoopy, whatever. Okay, no, I don't know. But like there's all these different things. You're like, we see each other clearly. And that's the idea is like, you know, before the fall, There's no clothes. There's nothing hidden. This is the way that this relationship is supposed to be lived out. Uh, As far as I'm supposed to know you fully, you're supposed to know me fully. And that's the same thing with Christ in the church. Hey, I know you so well. Let me see all of you and you be free with that and I can see you too. We have this intimacy and real relationship before one another. So passion is a way that we uh, invest in that, okay? Uh, So we pray for passion. That's a big deal, right, in our lives. Here's some other stuff that's important. Having a date. I mean, I can't tell you what a difference that makes for us. It's like having a date where you sit down and you just hang out. We We didn't have one for an extended period of time. That's just how life was, right? Maybe you're in the similar boat. And you're just like, I could use a date night. You know, can I encourage you with something? If you have middle schoolers and high schoolers, drop them off here on Fridays. You have two hours, (laughs) okay? You've got a Friday date night. Bressy Ranch has some good food too, okay? I mean, there's lots of places around. But setting up a date night means you're important to me. What's interesting is a lot of times we think, Oh, you know, of course they know they're important to me. But we will set, we will stop everything and move mountains for other people. But when our wives or, or husbands ask for something, it's like, oh, 
here comes Mr. Askey again. Need something else? You know, what else can you take from me today? But it's like somebody else, your neighbor says, hey, you know what, can you give a, do you have a cup of sugar? How about I just bake you the cookies, you know? No big deal. I just want to just show the love of Christ to my neighbor. Like, great. Could you show it to your husband or to your wife? Because that has a lot more merit and value. Because when people see a husband and a wife loving each other as Christ loves the church, it literally transforms to looking like Christ in the church. There's something about it that brings about questions. There's something about it that brings about, like, what is that? Because I sure didn't grow up like that. I sure didn't have that around me. What is the secret to your marriage? And you're like, it's Jesus. And then it's a firm commitment to loving one another as he set out for us. It's us living in the shower of the blessings. It's like the waterfall of the blessings without the umbrella. We're not putting umbrellas up that are stopping us from receiving from God. Okay? So, uh, praying for passion, date night, affirming one another. Kind of mentioned this a second ago. Instead of looking at the bad, look at the good. Remember what you fell in love with. Remember, go back in time. You know what might help? Find some old love letters. Guys, you probably don't have them. Girls, you probably do. Okay? So you say, hey, do you have any of those things I wrote you, like, back in the day? You know, I, I found that we, Tori has, like, every card I think I've ever written to her. It's, she has them. And it's, I love that. Yeah. And then I have the one she has, too. Actually, I have. I've saved them. I'm so soft and sentimental. But, like, there's something about that 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 rekindles. You're like, oh, I'm crazy about you. And you're playful and you're fun. And life is fun. You understand laughing together. Like, enjoying life together. That's one of the things in the the series we're talking about shoulder-to-shoulder fun. You know? Where you just do things that are fun together. and, And laugh. And hang out. It's important. Right? So, we pray for passion. We set up stuff like date nights. And we affirm one another. So we're looking for the good, and then we say it. That means a lot, by the way. No matter how tough someone is, usually the tougher they act, the more they're, like, putting on a bit of a front in some ways, right? Everyone wants to be uh, loved for who they are in a sense. Like, man, I love who you are, flaws and all. You know, here's what I love about you, this I love that you're this kind of a man. I love that you're this kind of a woman. I love that you do this. When you do this, it's just like, I I see God in you when you do these kind of things. And really, you probably don't have to think that hard to come up with this stuff. But how much of a difference would that make if your spouse said that to you way more often? Anyone? Okay, cool. Don't put it on them. Put it on you. You do it to them. And then, you know, hopefully they're listening too. Hopefully they're here. If not, you go, there's a podcast you should listen to. Um, right? So we have this passion, right? And again, this is also a, the gospel message for the world to see. Our marriage points to Christ. This is our greatest mission, right? If you're married, everything is filtered through our marriage. So like our marriage changes everything. Our home is our first ministry. We get to practice there first. If we succeed there, we can move on, right? Isn't that the idea, Timothy, when he was talking about qualifications for an elder or a pastor? He says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, elder, pastor, as most people think, it's, you know, that would be a pastor, he desires a good work. A bishop must 
be blameless, a husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. By the way, being all those things will definitely help with your marriage too, uh, as well as with your exterior ministry. One who rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence. If a man does not know how to rule his own house, how can he take care of the church of God? So there's not a separation between my Christian life and my home life. Your home life is is an example of your Christian life. So the way that you live at home with your spouse, if you have children with your children, has everything to do with how you live out to the world. And you know, what's funny is a lot of times people think, oh, I've got everyone fooled. You probably have no one fooled. Everyone knows what's going on. It's pretty obvious. And a lot of it has to do with you don't have to say a word. You don't have to see, hear a word. You could see it on the faces of the family. If you're a man, stand up. Build your family well. Lay down a foundation where you're pouring into your kids, where you're pouring into your wife, where you show your kids that your wife is your first ministry. Outflow of your ministry with your wife is your ministry to your children. The out, well, first of all, the outflow, your ministry is first between you and God. You spend time with God. You let him uh, look at your heart and search your heart and show you the things that are not good. You let him penetrate deep into all the issues and stuff you don't want to... Com- confess to or admit and you let him heal you by being honest and vulnerable if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another right and the blood of christ can forgive us right but if we say we're we we don't sin we're liars the truth isn't in us right it's first john i was kind of skipping around a little bit on it but you get the idea if we're walking in the light if we're being honest and real be, between one another. There's like a, a, a purity of that. That's like Christ in the church. That's a husband and a wife. It's this vulnerability and honesty and transparency. And as we have that relationship with the Lord first and foremost, that immediately transfers over to our relationship with our spouse. And as our relationship with our spouse has this, it immediately transfers and overflows to our children. Right? Out of a good marriage comes good parenting, right? And by the way, you're also teaching your children exactly what kind of man or woman they should be looking for. Be, be careful with that, right? This is the, this is the value you show. I, if, you have, uh, if you're like always constantly screaming at your spouse, you're telling your daughter that that would be okay for her too. And you go, no one would scream at my daughter. Well... Do you have someone's daughter as your wife? <laughs> right? I'm not trying. This is not judgment. We all have stuff, right? So this is what we got to be careful of. Okay? Or if you, you want, uh, you just like, yeah, my husband's a dummy. He's an idiot. He never does anything right. It's like the cartoons. Every cartoon, the dad is just, especially kids shows, they are so dumb. Dad can't do anything right. Oh, he's so, and the mom's like, oh, don't worry. I'll fix it, you know? Do you want your son to be looked at as like a dumb dummy, like idiot, like never be worth anything, you know, kind of always being smashed down? No, absolutely not, right? Who would want that? Well, when you do that to your husband, this is what happens. 
So we got to all understand that there is, there's no separation. When you're a Christian, you, there's no separation. Like, this is where I'm a Christian. This is where I'm secular. We've had to learn that with softball, right? <laughs> and that's why it's a good example. You're Christian no matter what, you know? And we lose the game, great. We're going to do it as Christians. <laughs> if we win, even better. We'll do it as Christians. That's, that's, but that's a natural working out in, in, in the world where we want the world to see, man, this is really what's going on in me. So again, again, this isn't to discourage, but to encourage to move forward. And no matter where you're at, whether you're, you know, really young or you're older, there, today is the day we start. There will always be new things to work on. We're in this together. If God is speaking to you, you can hear it. Be stoked you can still hear be stoked that you are not callous. Be stoked that your ears aren't deaf or dumb or, 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 or like dumbed down to sound. You can't hear anything. Be stoked you can hear it. So, so we then respond to that, right? Because just as it is for Timothy to lead out of his family first, so it is with us. No matter what your vocation, you go, I'm not a pastor, so I dodge that bullet. No, everything, if you're married, everything is foundationally formed out of your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse. Everything flows from that. So there's no sidestep. It is, it is together. It is one. Love your wife like you love yourself because she is part of yourself. So a lot of times we think to add marriage to our ministry, but everything instead comes from our marriage. And it comes from our singleness too, right? That's the, that was what we were talking about last week. If you're single, it comes from a proper understanding that my singleness is not just something I am right now, but it's, it's an opportunity in Christ to where I'm going to be single well. I'm not going to just do it half, you know, haphazardly or half-heartedly. I'm going to do it fully well to the utmost of my ability, which was, you know, some of the advantages, maybe you, you don't have the same restrictions that you would where you have to love your spouse first. Either one, we're doing it to our utmost, to the glory of God, and everything else is formed through that. It's not just something we are, or we do, or are around, it's who we are in Christ. Our faith is meant to be worked out in community, not alone. How do you live out the gospel if you're alone, right? Not easily, not very well. I preached the gospel of myself again today. That's actually pretty valuable, but like, you know. But it's meant to be lived out in community. That's why we're in the middle of it all. And so that's why our witness is so important because the church, if you look at the statistics, we're not doing much better than the world, right? Secular and Christian, they look very similar. And this can't be. This cannot be. So the, what, what do we do with that? Well, okay, well, we got a lot of grace. Definitely. Grace to not do that anymore. Grace to step up. Grace to say today it changes. So our relationships matter because it's, 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 it's how we're blessed and it's how we're a blessing. Because the blessing of God pours onto us and then it's pouring onto others around us. We're a witness, so we let the light shine. Okay, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward from their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. 
and a threefold cord is not quickly broken, right? We think about marriage, we think about relationships, uh, and, and we realize one isolated alone. You're in big, you can be in big trouble if you're only by yourself. It's easy to isolate, it's easy to make someone go crazy if they're by themselves. Two changes everything. A three-strand cord where it's you, that person, and Christ, it's, it's I, I, like I've told you, I love watching these survivor shows. You start braiding together some of this, the, these like string or whatever, and it becomes like infinitely stronger. It's a three-fold cord. It's like it's not easily broken. And so we have this opportunity to live this out. We are, again, through all this, we're reminded of our radical need for God's grace in our life. We need his grace, right? We need him to, to continue to forgive us and then to help us to start anew and then to pray wholeheartedly. And one of the things we get to do as we're looking at God's grace once a month, and that's this month since it's Communion Sunday, is the Lord's Supper. It's the table, right? Where we come and we recenter our minds, our hearts, and our lives on what Jesus did on the cross. That says, hey, you know what? You're not going to add up. You're never going to fully make it. But we're, we're, we, we come before him again and we confess and we're honest and transparent with where we're actually really at. And we allow Jesus to take st- center stage of our life and to reorder all other things, to de- dethrone all the lesser idols, all our lesser ambitions, and refocus on what we're really called to, what we're really meant to endure and, and, and uh, experience together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.